Good morning, and if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Psalm 134, and we'll read this psalm together. So, Psalm 134, starting to read at verse 1. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary, and praise the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who is the maker of heaven and earth. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you for this short psalm, and as we gather around it this morning, we pray that you will open our hearts, that we might understand what is being said here as we come before you. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, this psalm, as you notice, is a very short psalm, and I've titled it really The Benediction, a Psalm of Ascents. The Psalms of Ascents are Psalm 120 through to 134. And as you know, we started looking at these Psalms of Ascents so that we could travel with God's people on their journey to Jerusalem. Just as we are travelling on our journey back to being together so that we, like them, could worship the Lord together in person without wearing masks and without having to maintain social distancing. So Psalm 134 is the last of the 15 Psalms of Ascents that the travellers would have sung during their journey to Jerusalem in order to attend one of the three main festivals that were Passover, Pentecost and the Feast of Tabernacles. The journey that they made was in anticipation of the arrival of the Messiah, the Promised One, the one who is Jesus. Now our journey is after the arrival of Jesus. You see, those people, they lived on one side of the cross as we live on the other side of the cross. But everything that they did pointed to the cross and was representative of the cross. You see, they had the representative of what would happen. We have the reality of what did happen. So let's first of all uh, consider the sacrifices. You see, for them, the sacrifices in the temple were made in anticipation of the final sacrifice that was made by Jesus. Let's consider the offerings, the things that they brought to the temple. You see, the temple was the place where they met with God and the priests would accept the offerings from the people and present them to God on their behalf. And then the high priest, once a year, would enter the Holy of Holies in order to offer a sacrifice, first of all on behalf of himself, because he, like them, was a sinner, and then on behalf of the nation. And all of this was representative of the Messiah entering God's presence on their behalf and on our behalf. So let's consider worship. You see, the people who lived in or near Jerusalem could attend the temple daily if they wished, but those who lived in the rest of the country would need to travel in order to attend at least one of the three main festivals. So with these things in mind, let's consider this psalm and consider it from their point of view. They are those who needed to travel 
to Jerusalem in order to have fellowship with fellow believers. You see, they were God's people. And as God's people, they had a desire to be faithful to God. And they lived in the hope of the promise of the Messiah. So they would set out on what would be for them a dangerous journey. They travel in groups, partly that it was good to be together with other people and have friendship and fellowship on, on the journey, but also it was a, a safety thing because those roads were dangerous. And as they traveled, they would sing these psalms together. They're all songs of worship and the songs that contain all aspects of their daily life, reminding them of the Lord's help, reminding them of his provision. Some of the Psalms would look back on times of blessing. Others would be looking forward to the blessing still to come. Some of the Psalms were requests for the Lord's help, they would cry out to the Lord for his help and his protection in times of sorrow and trouble. But all these psalms uh, had a relationship to what is basically the Christian life. But what about this Psalm 134? What did it mean to them? Well, this final song was sung by them as they prepared to make the journey back home. This is after they'd arrived in Jerusalem safely, but they'd attended the festivals and spent time there with their fellow believers. But now it was time for them to journey back home. I'm sure you know what it's like at the end of a really great holiday, when you have those mixed feelings, feelings of wanting to stay, but knowing the need to go home. Very often we say something like, you know, oh, I can't wait to get home and have a really good cup of tea. But when we leave, we're leaving behind the things that we have enjoyed during that break, during that holiday, and we're leaving behind the new friends that we will have made. But you take with you a, a revived and a refreshed energy and you take with you good memories. And very often you have a desire to return. If you stay in a hotel or a guest house, bread and breakfast, very often they'll have a, a visitor's book and you can write comments here. And sometimes they might ask the question, would you recommend this to somebody else or would you yourself return? And very often you tick the box, we would like to return because you've had such a good time there. So Psalm 134 is what we call a benediction. That is the, the utterance of a blessing, especially at the end of a religious service. In their case, a, a religious festival. So Psalm 134, it was a post-exile song. In other words, it was written after the return from captivity in Babylon. But let's just have a look at it. First of all, verse 1. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Let's just consider this. You see, these people are now leaving the temple. 
for the last time before they set out for home. It's night time. And the temple area is lit. And as they enter it, they can smell the aroma from the slow burning oil lights. And they will pick up the fragrance of the incense that was coming from the evening prayers. And the Levites are still there. They're going about their business. And a choir of Levites are singing praises to God. I wonder if you can picture that occasion. Maybe if you close your eyes for a moment and try to take in the atmosphere. We can understand a little bit more about what is happening here when we go to 1 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 33. And this is what it says. This is about the Levites. Those who were musicians, heads of Levite families, stayed in the rooms of the temple and were exempt from other duties because they were responsible for the work day and night. So these Levites would be there in the temple and in the evening time they would be clearing away the things that had been used during the day. They would be making sure they were all there. They would making sure they were all purified and they would be getting them ready for the following day. And they would be there doing this all night. And in 1 Chronicles 23 verse 30, this is what we read about them. They were also to stand every morning to thank and praise the Lord. They were to do the same in the evening. So, as these people stood in the presence of the Lord, imagine all this going on around them, the choir singing, and then one of the choir, maybe the, the leader of the choir, turns towards them. And he says this, verse 2, Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. So as they're standing in the temple of Jerusalem, they are reminded that they are in the presence of the Lord. And this is an invitation for them to join in with the praise that's happening. You see, the Levites will be praising God both day and night. And the people who are there for this final time before they return home are being reminded that they too, they too can lift up their hands here in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. They can worship God from their hearts as this Levitical choir is doing. So there's one thing we can learn from this. God does not sleep. Listen to the words from two of the Psalms of Ascents that they would have sung on their way to Jerusalem as they, on that journey, anticipated what it would be like when they got there. And now they are there and enjoying it. So they would have been reminded of the words from Psalm 121, verses 3 and 4. And this is about God. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So, this is words reminding them that they were under God's protection. And that protection will be there for them 
day and night, because God does not sleep. And even when they sleep, you sleep and I sleep, the Lord watches over you. On the other hand, he grants us sleep. And this is from another one of the Psalms that they would have sung, Psalm 127, verse 1 and 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builder labours in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise up and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. We're going to look now at a second thing. And the second thing is this. The Lord does bless you. You see, as these worshippers turn to leave the temple to start their journey back home, it's as though the choir master turns to them and speaks to them as the singing continues. So we have this in verse 3. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who is maker of heaven and earth. I understand this word, you, the Lord bless you. I understand it's singular. This blessing is for each individual person. And the blessing comes from the workers in the temple on behalf of the Lord, the Lord who is the maker of heaven and earth. Let's just now for a few moments consider how does this relate to us, the people who live this side of the cross. As we leave the faithful in the temple at Jerusalem, let us take this thought with us as we continue on our journey. And this is a verse from Hebrews chapter 10. It's actually the first verse. And it says this, The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. Let me repeat that. The law, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. So for us who live this side of the cross, let's consider sacrifice. See, the Messiah has come. The once and for all sacrifice has been made by Jesus. He died for us. So we don't need the temple sacrifice as they did. Let's consider the offerings. Well, Jesus is the one who has entered heaven on our behalf. So we don't need a high priest. You see, Jesus medita uh, mediates on our behalf. Let's stay in Hebrews chapter 10. Let's just read verses 8 through to 10. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you didn't desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ, once for all. Let's consider worship. 
You see, we don't need to make a journey to Jerusalem or to any other place, for that matter, in order to be with God. When we are his, when we accept him through the power of the cross, he is with us. He's with us day and night. He does not sleep. And the Holy Spirit is with us. Listen to the words of Jesus to his disciples when he spoke to them. This is in John's Gospel, John 14, verse 25 through to 27. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You see, these words that we've just read from John's Gospel, these words of Jesus, they include those on the other side of the cross and those on this side of the cross. They cover people who were and are on either side of the cross. And this verse applies to them in John 10. This is the second part of verse 10 in John 10. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So as we draw to a close this morning, as we consider this psalm, consider what it meant to the people in the days when they had to travel to Jerusalem to meet with God. And for us now who don't have to make that journey, God is still the same. And this psalm still applies to both of us. One, God does not sleep. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Two, the Lord does bless you. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who is the maker of heaven and earth. You see, for us today, our journey continues as we are waiting together in the hope of the promise of his return. And I want to finish this morning as we consider these things with a, a verse from Revelation. I want to just leave this with you. And there's plenty here in this very short psalm for us to mull over and think about. Think about how it applied to people when it was first written and how it applies to us today. Those who are on one side of the cross and we who are on the other side of the cross. It still applies the same. Our journey continues, as I said, as we are waiting together in the hope of the promise of his return. Revelation 4 verse 8 Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all round, even under its wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You know, if you know Jesus as your saviour and you have that gift of eternal life, that verse we've just read, this will be our 
reality. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we ask this morning that you might speak to our hearts as we've gathered around it together. Because we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.